fellowship. This is a place where we can inherit God's promises and experience their benefits. We serve a great and awesome God, don't we? And it's such a wonderful opportunity to come together and worship His name. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your strength, your power, and your goodness. Lord, you strengthen us each and every day. And we are strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. And we give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do. We welcome your presence in this place. And we give you honor and praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you all stand up and let's worship Let's stand together, church. Are we ready to praise the Lord this morning? It's an awesome day in the house of God. Amen.
Oh, we need a move. Oh. 
sing that heaven is here. It's not coming, it's here. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Oh, heaven is here. say welcome to you. So good to have you here. Hallelujah. We serve a living God and he is powerful and awesome. Amen. And one of the things that we like to do here is every quarter we emphasize a particular subject and we like to speak the word and we want to invite you to join us as we make a confession of faith that's based on God's word. And this confession is speaking of how great God is. Amen. Let's make our confession. We We worship worship an awesome God. God. 
the great and amazing God is among us. Our God reigns supreme. He is the God of gods and Lord of lords. God is great, mighty, and awesome. Our God stands alone. He is the one and only rock of our salvation, our chief cornerstone and firm foundation. We are safe and secure in him. Our God is the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. He shows us things that are hidden. God is our Father. God is our Lord. His Holy Spirit is our partner working in us. And in him we live, move, and have our being. We are redeemed by God who does great and awesome things. God strengthens and empowers us. And we bless his holy name. All things are under his feet. And Jesus is the head of all things to the church. God our Savior alone is wise. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forever. Amen. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. And I uh, have a couple announcements for you. Um, we have uh, a group of uh, go-getters that are, uh, they have peanut butter pies for sale for $8 each. Uh, you can see Kelsey or Sean. Uh, Sean's in the sound booth. And Kelsey, wave your hand there. You can see them. Uh, and they're available now. If you'd like to take one home and partake, or if you want to take one home and give it away, uh, the money that is raised from the pies are going to bless the children home and they're continuing to uh, raise money for where they're replacing uh, bunk beds there. And uh, it's a great thing. Amen. And also uh, this coming Saturday, I want to invite all the men. We have our breakfast of encouragement. Our men's group is called the Barnabas group. And it's here on Saturday, 830 a.m. You, you get ready. It's a free breakfast. And you can come and be encouraged in the Lord. And uh, it's a wonderful time because we have some incredible cooks, let me tell you. And uh, we eat good. Amen. Glory to God. And then I want to just uh, share a scripture. We have uh, youth on Tuesday at 6.30. And we have our Wednesday night refreshing. And we have our Bible adventure on Thursday. Barnabas on Saturday, and then church again on Sunday. And uh, we just have a lot of things going on, and you're welcome to uh, partake of that. And I want to read a scripture from First Chronicles, chapter 29. And uh, it, it's about David, because I'm going to be talking about him today. And uh, starting with, just going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. Furthermore, David the king. Everybody say the king. I want you to understand that he is speaking this as the king. 
said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone uh, God has chosen, is yet young and tender. Solomon was God's choice to replace David as king. And the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but the Lord. Everybody say, it's for the Lord. And notice what David did as king. He said, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the brass for the things of brass, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, and stones to be set, glistening stones. Well, there were stones in the temple. Good, good, precious gems. Amen. And uh, all manner of uh, diverse colors, all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. So every time we get together, we have an opportunity as believers in Christ Jesus to uh, to give, to sow, to honor the Lord. And uh, here at VCF, we don't pass a container, but we do have a wooden container in the back. We call it our seed planter. And if you'd like to give, you can put your gifts in there any time during the service. You make a check, you can make it out to VCF. Uh, if you need to pay by card, that can be done in the bookstore. Uh, you could do it online uh, through our website. You can mail it in, you could bring it in, you could send it by carrier pigeon. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. So, Father, I give you thanks and praise that you bless each and every gift. You increase it and multiply it. And you multiply it back to the giver, Father. You cause the giver to be protected, provided for, and to increase mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. At this time, uh, we're going to dismiss our kids to our kids' life service. We have an amazing teacher, Stephen. I want you to come up here, Stephen, because uh, we've got some guests with us, and they, they, they want to... You're going to be the Pied Piper today, and uh, you're going to lead them out. So what we like to do with our kids is we like to cheer them out. Why? We want to communicate to them that church is fun. So all the kids who want to join uh, Stephen in the Kids Life class, you can follow him and go to your class and have a great time. Hallelujah. I remember um, before uh, Fiona and I were married, uh, we were serving in a church in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, for six months, you know, we volunteered uh, to lead the five, five, I think it was the five-year-olds, three to five-year-olds or five-year-olds. And uh, it was a joy. And I loved acting out the Bible stories. And uh, that's what we would do, and uh, it was a great time, and uh, we love children, we love adults, we love young people. Amen. We've got something for every member of the family here at VCF. Amen. Were you ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. I am ready for the word as well. We have been communicating to you about uh, five key factors that are going to prepare us for the future. And those five things are preaching the gospel. We started off 
the first Sunday in January, and we talked about the gospel. It is God's message, and God wants to get his message out. Amen? And the gospel has power. It's good news. And then another thing that's going to help us in the future is walking in the authority that we have as believers. Did you know that God gave us uh, believers authority to walk? And uh, he authorized his disciples to do what he did. And uh, last week we talked about spiritual knowledge and how important it is to grow in the knowledge of God. And uh, this week we're going to talk about praise and worship, how we can access God's presence and release his goodness. How many want to access God's presence so that we can release his goodness? And then next week, oh, next week. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, His power, and His anointing. And uh, those are things that are going to help us in the future. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 11. You know, in the Bible... God gives us keys that open doors. You know, I have keys. I have keys to my home. I have keys to this church. I have keys to our vehicles. And all those keys do, they're used for opening up places. And, um, you know, if you don't have a key and you try to open a lock, you're picking the lock. Right? And you get in trouble for that, don't you? But uh, God gives us keys, and one of the keys that he's given us is the key of worship and praise. And I'm going to talk more about worship this morning, but included in that is praise, singing, rejoicing, dancing, shouting. Amen? When we engage in worship and praise... It's a very emotional thing. It's a very physical thing. It's a very spiritual thing. God says in Psalm 22, 3 that he inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? That when we start to praise him, his presence shows up on the scene. And I want that for today. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 5... Verse 11, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, they were wearing robes of righteousness. Anybody who believes in Jesus Christ, God takes our filthy rags and he gives us a robe of righteousness, a garment of praise. Do you know that every believer in Christ has a garment of praise? And that garment is used to access God's presence. And having symbols 
and psalteries and harps stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine hearing a hundred and twenty trumpets with cymbals and harps and stringed instruments? I want you to get a picture of the sound of that would be. A hundred and twenty trumpets. And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one. Everybody say one. One. They were unified in purpose. They were unified in heart. They were unified together. It sounded like one voice, one sound, although there were several people coming together like an orchestra. We got the horn section, the wind section, the percussion section. Amen. And when the, when the conductor brings them together, it sounds as if they're one. So the singers and the praisers and the musicians... They were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. They were all praising, all thanking the Lord. Alright? And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, for He is good. Is God good? Is He really good? He is the best thing ever. Amen? Amen. And His mercy endures forever. That the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. (laughs) Why did God's glory fill the house? Because they were praising, along with instruments, their voices, the musicians, the singers, the trumpeters, the guitar players, the drummers, amen? The uh, crashing cymbals, blowing trumpets, and they were all as one. And when God's people praise the Lord as one, something happens in the atmosphere. Something happens in the place. God filled the place. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. Now God filled an actual structure here in 2 Chronicles. But... What is the structure he wants to fill today? Does he still fill structures? Yes, he does. But notice this. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, In whom the whole structure is joined together. Do you realize you all came here? We're all here together today. We're in this large room and we're not alone. Amen? Okay, so we're here together. And it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. This is the Amplified. A sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. 
this building is not the church. You are the church, but this is where the church meets. You are the church, and we've come together, and God is building a building, and He says that each one of us together are His house. Say, I'm God's house. And when someone cries, what's that? What's that? God's just window cleaning. He's cleaning the windows. Notice this. It's it's a place sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him, verse 22, and in fellowship with one another. So God wants us connected to him, but we're also connected to each other. Okay? In fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Did you know that God wants to dwell in people? And He still does things like He did here when Solomon dedicated the temple. He is still filling the house. He is still moving in the midst. He is still manifesting Himself. His glory is still real. It's not something that has gone away. It's not something that is in the past and not for today. His glory is just as real now as it was then. But He needs people who know how to use the keys to open the door. Do you realize when a guest comes to your house... Based on your invitation, you have to open the door to let them in. Amen? And through our worship and through our praise, that's how we let God in. Amen? So, the manifested presence of God is experienced when God reveals Himself. And when people are together for a holy purpose... And their hearts and voices are united and joined together as one to praise and thank God. Why do we come here today? We came here to praise and thank God. We came here because we want to honor God. We want to bless God. Amen? I did not come here today because I'm the pastor. You you know the story. One guy was in bed and he was moaning and groaning and he said, you know, his wife was saying, honey, it's time to get up. I don't want to get up. She says, dear, come on, it's time to get up. He says, I don't want to get up. She says, we've got to go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. And she said, but you're the pastor. <laughs> no, I come here, first of all, as a believer, because I want to encounter God's presence. I want more than anything That when the body of Christ comes together, we're not just here out of duty. We're not just here to get informed, educated, to uh, touch our intellectual being. But we're here to have an encounter with Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I want to encounter God. So we're here to praise and thank the Lord. To declare how good He is. And how... His loving and devotion, His mercy endures forever. Do you know how much mercy God has granted us? I mean, it's new every morning. When you woke up today, God had baked a fresh dose of mercy in heaven. And it smells good. Because I don't know about you, but I need mercy every day. 
See, worship touches God's heart and prepares the atmosphere for his presence to show up in a real way. Now, I want you to go to the book of Revelation. Revelation. We're going to talk about a person today whose name is David, who had a revelation. David was a worshiper. Uh, Oh, let me just say this. We're going to go to Revelation 3 and verse 7. But ever since God created man, he always had a place to worship. In the garden, Adam and Eve were walking with God in the cool of the day. In the days of Noah and Abraham, they built altars to worship God. In the day of de- in the days of Moses, Moses built a tent called the tabernacle, which was a place of worship. In the wilderness, they God. Did you know that God first showed up in a mobile home? It was a tent that you could pack up and move, and the priests would carry the different parts, and they would go from place to place to place. Wherever God's glory would move, they would move. Wherever God's glory stayed, they would stay for however long He wanted to be there. But today, we have buildings, and we're not limited to this building to worship God. You can worship God while you're washing dishes. You can worship God while you're driving. You just don't want to get too caught up in the spirit. (laughs) You can worship God while you're mowing the grass. You know, if we worship God in some of these things that we have to do in life, they might be more enjoyable. See, God wants to be incorporated in every part of our lives. He's not just a Sunday God. He's an everyday God. He's in every moment, God. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, he's writing to the church of Philadelphia, not too far from here. No, just kidding. But I think Philadelphia needs to hear this message. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things said he that is holy and that is true. The one who is holy and is true... He's the one who delivers truth. He said, He that has the key of David. Everybody say the key of David. We're going to learn about the key of David this morning. And what that means. And what that entails. He holds the key of David. He that opens... And no man can shut. The key of David, it opens things and no man can shut it. No man can block it. No man can stop it. And our Lord and Savior Jesus holds that key. And who, the keys that the head has, he gives to the body. And shuts and no man opens. Alright? So we're going to learn... This morning about the key that they see a key represents authority. A key represents power. If you are, uh, if you hold the keys, you get to make the rules. Amen. And uh, a key is the power to open and shut, to open and close. All right. It's. See, David was a king. He went from a shepherd to a king. And God gave him the authority of a king. And he knew how to access God's presence. See, to 
there are two people in the Old Testament that, I mean, there's more, but two really stand out. Moses and David, they valued God's presence. Moses said, Lord, if we go, if, if we go and your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. And when David prayed his famous prayer in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, take not your presence from me. He valued it, and he was so sorry that he did anything to hurt God's presence. They both valued God's presence. Alright? And we know that it is through God promised David that there's going to be a king sitting on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. We know that that's Jesus. Right? The government is upon his shoulders. He's, he's from the line of, uh, uh, the, he's from the stem of Jesse. He's a son of David. Matter of fact, in the, in the New Testament, people would call Jesus, uh, Jesus son of David. Right? Because he, he, David represented the righteous line. And, uh, David was, uh, it was, God chose him that his, it was his throne that was going to be, uh, held. And uh, God has, and Jesus also holds the keys to death and hell and the grave. Amen? And uh, so, let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. What was significant about David? This is why, this is something that we have to learn. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And it says, And when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up unto David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And when we worship God, we have to be people after God's own heart. And we have to be willing to do what God's will is. Amen? So, David holds the key to this position. And one who is after God's heart, who... See, when we're after God's heart, the power is going to follow. When, when you came here today, and if your intention was to touch God's heart, God will honor that intention. And He will let His heart be touched through our praise and through our worship. Amen? I want our worship to touch God's heart. Right? And... A man after God's own heart is someone who does what God wants. Now, in order to do what God wants, you've got to find out what He wants. Right? He said, if you seek me, you shall find me. Right? A man after God's own heart means you have aligned your life with God. It means you desire to do His will above everything else. A man after God's own heart, or a woman, I don't mean to single you out, but someone who's after God's own heart is favored and beloved by God because they're an obedient servant. How many obedient servants are here this morning? 
Someone after God's own heart is someone who knows how to worship God without reservation. Not caring what people think of how it looks like. Do you know when people, when they used to attend sporting events? Right? How many has ever seen some crazy fans on television? They paint their bodies. It could be cold out and they're wearing no shirts but the colors of their team. Right? Someone who is willing to paint their body to honor a team ought to take that same attitude as a believer in worshiping God. And we ought to be willing to paint our bodies with the blood of Jesus. If if a natural person is willing to go to that extreme to honor a team, what are believers willing to do to honor God? So, David was called a man after God's own heart. Go to the book of Amos. Right after the book of Joel. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. Amos chapter 9 verse 11. He says, in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, says the Lord, That he does this. So God is in the restoring of David's tabernacle. Alright? And you're saying, what is David's David's tabernacle? I'm so glad that you asked. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Hallelujah. And we're going to get somewhere here in just a minute. God wants to move today. How many are okay with God moving? You know, when God does things, it does not make sense to our natural minds. Do you think it made sense when Jesus walked on water in the middle of a storm? Or do you think it made sense when he spit in clay and put it on someone's eyes to heal blind eyes? Or do you think it made sense when Jesus told a man who was lame for 38 years to pick up your mat and walk and he did? Amen. That doesn't seem logical, does it? But it does seem supernatural. It does seem something like God would do. How God does things. Our God is a supernatural God. Our God is a powerful God. Amen. So, First Chronicles chapter 15. And David made him houses in the city of David. And notice this next phrase. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. They had not yet had a temple. So David, in building houses for the king, he also prepared, everyone say he prepared a place. And it was a place 
prepared for the ark. The ark of God represented the presence of God. And David made sure that the the ark had its own special place where he would honor God, where he would worship God, where he would connect with God, and God would speak to him, and God would manifest. Amen? Aren't you glad that today we're in a special place that was built for the presence of God? This church was built. I didn't build this church, but it was built back in the 80s. It was built for me. It was waiting for me when when we got here as a family. And God wants to do something in Palmyra. God wants to do something in the people that come to this place. He wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. He wants to fill you. He wants to call you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to take away your pain. He wants to remove your sorrow. He wants to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. I get really excited about Jesus and I make no apologies. So it was a tent. And he prepared a place for the ark of the Lord. See, here's what happened. All right? The ark of God was taken away. Because Israel turned away from God. Under the time of Eli. And Eli's sons were priests and they were desecrating the temple. And in a battle, they lost the ark. And there was a series of events whereby the ark was brought back to Israel. But it stayed out of Jerusalem for 30 years. And for 30 years, Jerusalem did not have the presence of God which was represented in the ark of God. Alright? And so, David, he attempted to bring the ark back to its rightful place. Alright? And uh, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And you can follow along with this story. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Because then we're going to talk about why we need to worship God. I'm going to give you some reasons why. And then guess what? We're going to worship God. Amen? And we're going to just let God work His work. So I want, but I want everybody, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Every one of us has been given the greatest instrument to worship God. That is our voice and our bodies. Right? So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, the first time that David brought the ark, he did not follow the word. And they put the ark on a cart. The ark was not designed to be carried on a cart. It had to be carried on the priest's shoulders. Only the priests could carry the ark on their shoulders. That's why the ark had rings on it. That's why they had those golden poles. And they would put the poles in and the priests would put the ark on their shoulders. When they crossed the Jordan, the priests were carrying the ark and they dipped their foot into the water and the waters parted and Israel went on dry ground because of that. So, and when they were bringing in the ark, the ark began to fall. It was because it wasn't being, supposed to be carried on a cart. And one guy reached out to grab it so it wouldn't fall. 
but no one can touch the ark. And he was zapped by God. <laughs> Alright? What does that mean? That person who touched the ark was no more. Right? And so David was a little upset. See, when you try to come to God on your terms, it's never going to work. When we try to put God in our box, he's never going to fit. When we try to worship God man's way, it's never going to work. We're going to leave frustrated. We're going to leave empty. We've got to worship God God's way. Amen? So notice what David did. David didn't camp in the pain. How many know, he, say he changed. Say, if David can change, I can change. You know, if you've been praying to God and things have, you haven't been getting answers, change how you pray. Change it up a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, change it up a bit. Amen? So this time, David was going to bring God's presence to Jerusalem through worship and praise. He was going to use the key that God gave him to open the door of his presence. Alright? 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertains to him because of the ark of God. See, the ark was hanging out at Obed-Edom's house. And while Obed-Edom had the ark, his house was blessed. How many know, when you connect with the presence of God, blessings follow? So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. Into the city of David with what? Gladness. Everybody say, "It's it's, it's a good thing to worship God. Worship ought to spark joy. It ought to stir something in our hearts. If we can shout for our favorite movie or our favorite sports team or our favorite uh, musician, then we we certainly could shout shout for Jesus. So, it's important to use gladness. Gladness is a key on your key ring. Amen? Verse 13. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord, had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Alright? So they took six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. Right? And they stopped and they gave offerings to God. They gave sacrifices to God. We don't offer oxes, praise the Lord. But we can offer thanksgiving, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. That's the sacrifice of our praise. We shouldn't go too far in life without taking some time to praise God and acknowledge Him for His goodness, for His greatness, for His glory, for His character, for His person, for His faithfulness. Sometimes we go days without worshiping God. We go weeks without worshiping God. Maybe people only worship God on Sundays. He's not just a Sunday God. He's an everyday God. We've got to stop our pace and take time out to worship and honor God. Don't, if you're too busy, you're too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You've got to make time for God. He made time for you. 
I'm glad Jesus didn't quit. I'm glad Jesus didn't say, Father, I'm too busy to go on that cross today. Can we make it another day? Can we reschedule? All right. Now, David is bringing the presence of God through worship and praise. Look at verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. Only priests wore an ephod, so David was a kingly priest. And God allowed it. Amen? When he, when he took that time out to worship God, something hit David. And he began to jump up and spin about wildly. That's what it means. He didn't just go, he didn't just do the two-step, right? He was dancing before the Lord with all his might. That means when you engage God in worship, you've got to use your voice. You've got to use your emotions. You've got to use your hands. It, it's physical. It's spiritual. It's emotional. Amen? Yeah. You've got to connect with God on every level. Yeah. Well, I don't feel it. Well, if you do it, you'll feel it. Stop putting your feelings first. Start putting your faith first. Faith does it, and then it'll feel it later. Who said that you have to feel anything anyway? I remember back when I was a single Christian growing up in Illinois. You know, the pastor would ask for help in different areas of the church and... um, People's response, well, I just don't feel led. And you know what? I went into my tackle box and I got some sinkers that are made from lead and I put them in their hands and now you can feel lead. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Verse 15. So David and what and who? Do you know that no one can worship for you? You've got to do your own worshiping. And worship is a choice. God will not force you to worship Him, but when you see the effects, you'll wish you would have. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting... First they were glad, then they were dancing, now they're shouting. Let's give God a shout. Didn't that feel good? You know, I grew up in a church that the only actions we ever did was stand, sit, and do the cross. Right? We never shouted. Matter of fact, if someone shouted, everybody would look at you weird. You know? But then, when I got born again, I came into a church where people were free to express themselves. And what a freedom it was. I remember the first time I got saved, my first hand raise was this. How many ever did the half hand raise thing? You know, you're not quite sure, so you only go halfway. But now today, I go like this. Amen? I've improved. You've got to feel comfortable expressing yourself however is moved on your heart to to express yourself. Amen? So they were shouting with the sound of the trumpets. The sound of the shouting and trumpets. Was that quiet? No way. 
And sometimes worship can get loud. Say, loud is okay. You know, I grew up in the area, the era of the 80s. And I like loud music. I mean, my favorite group is Striper to this day. And uh, it's, it's, I call it heavenly metal. Because they, they rock, but they sing about Jesus. Verse 16. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael's, Michael, Saul's daughter, which was David's wife, was looked through the window. How come she wasn't there? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are just looking through their screens today when they should be there. And she saw the King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Do not ever criticize someone's form of worship. There is no wrong form of worship. And believe me, over the years, I've seen it all. (laughs) I've seen entire crowds get up in just a moment, and they were running and falling. And One time, they measured the move of the Spirit by how many chairs were broke one night. (laughs) Seriously. True story. They put it on the screen how many chairs were broke that night. Now, that didn't happen all the time, but that was a pretty wild night. So she was despising David's worship. And they brought the ark of the Lord. And if you read the story, she was barren for the rest of her life. So when you're critical of someone's form of worship, you're in trouble. Verse 17, and they brought the ark into the, they brought the ark, they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place. Everybody say its place. Where is the ark now? The ark should be in your heart. The best place for the ark to rest right now is in our hearts. Right? Because God wants to dwell in his people. Jesus told his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. And I've got something on the inside of me. And it's working on the outside of me. And oh, what a change that's taking place in my life. I'm not going to sing it today. Sometimes I break out into song. But I'm not a worship leader. I'm a rapper. So So they put the ark in its place. In the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And God wants to restore the tabernacle of David. He wants to restore worship for its rightful place. He wants to restore worship and praise in his, in his places of worship. Amen. In the hearts of believers. We, we ought to spend more time worshiping than we do complaining. And we shouldn't be complaining at all. Not about the government. Not about this. Not about that. Because God takes complaints personal. Don't have time to get into it, but it's true. So, David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as to the women, men, everyone a cake of bread and good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. So everyone got blessed. And then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel. She didn't say it nice. She said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. You know how. Right? It's, it's the look you get after sucking on a lemon. Who uncovered himself... Today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovering himself. David was worshipping. And unfortunately, when you wear a robe and you jump up in the air, so the robe's going to go up too. (laughs) Have you ever been into a courtroom and wonder what the judge really wears under that thing? Verse 21, and David said to Michael, it was before the Lord, which chose me before your father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. David was unapologetic, unashamed, unintimidated about his worship. You don't mess with David's worship. Do you realize worship gave him the strength to take down Goliath? What do you think he was doing while watching sheep? He was writing songs, playing the harp. David was German. And the sheep never said, bad song, bad song. (laughs) Verse 22. And I will yet be more vile than this. Other translations are undignified. Sometimes when you get worship, you get a little undignified. I've done my share of rolling on the floor or falling over people. One time we were on a bus and we went from my hometown in Illinois to Fort Worth, Texas. And I had spent a lot of time in prayer. And we had done a crusade there, not me, but I was part of one where we did street ministry in the worst part of Fort Worth, Texas. And we were coming home, and I was sitting by a person, and we were just talking. And all of a sudden, I'm talking, and the person next to me just starts laughing. Laughing. I mean, belly laughing. I mean, body shaking laughing. So, um, then I started talking to another person. And another person, same thing. I was walking up and down that bus and probably about 30 out of 40 some people were laughing hilariously. Not of any, I did not tell a joke. I was not a comedian. It was just the move of God. How many know that God moves in joy? Alright? So, David said, I'm going to be more undignified than this. We got to Stop worrying about being undignified in worship. You just focus on who you're worshiping. And don't worry about anything else. Amen? And some of you, just be good to move. 
Movement is good. You know, when, when I got born again, I was 12 years old. I'm 51 now. And when God came into my heart that night at Abundant Life Tabernacle under Pastor Lloyd Curry, and he's, he's still alive today living in that area, and last time Fiona and I went there, he prayed for us. Powerful prayer. When I, got, when I said Jesus come into my life, see, I was setting myself up to begin to worship God. See, in order to worship God, you've got to know who He is. I didn't know who God was. I knew that He existed. But in order to have Jesus into your life, you've got to invite Him in. You've got to say, Jesus, be Lord over my life. Come into my heart. And when I did, okay, I had my hands raised like this because I didn't know what to do. And I felt something went like that. And all of a sudden, my hands shook like this, and I ended up on the floor. And I stood up with a big smile on my face. I didn't care about how I got on the floor. It felt good. It was good. Sometimes you just got to let God move. See, here's the problem. We have so many preconceived ideas about God that they're not even based in truth. I have not found the scripture yet that cleanliness is next to godliness. But isn't it a bad thing to be clean? It's just not a scripture. But people quote it like it is. Verse 23, Therefore Michael the daughter of Saul had no child until the day of her death. So, let me give you some reasons why we need to worship God. Because God today, starting today, January 24th, 2021, God is restoring the tabernacle of David. And he is going to raise up worshipers who will worship God in spirit and in truth. Without inhibition, without restriction, without limit. Amen? So, why do we worship God? I want to answer that question in the next few moments because I want to give us time to worship because God wants to move. Why should we worship God? I'm so glad you asked. Number one, He is worthy of our worship. The very word worship means worship. It means you're adding value and worth to what you're honoring, what you're reverencing, what you're respecting. You consider it valuable. You're adding worth to it. There's no one more worthy than Jesus. He is worthy of our worship. His compassion, His patience, His kindness, His power, His love, His unmatched in the universe. There's no one who loves like He does. There's no one who forgives like He does. And He loves you. He's forgiven you. He doesn't hold anything against you. He's just waiting for you to get on board with all that He has to offer. He gives it a free gift. And when we worship God, it will often come out like... You know, the Bible talks a lot about a new song. Well, you know, God is an author, so he's always writing. He's a creator, so he's always creating. He's the most creative person that is on in the universe. Look at what he made. Look at what he designed. 
He likes to make things. He's a creator. So here's elements of a new song. Singing, praise, rejoicing, dancing, instruments, exaltation, shouting, crying out, raising your voice, and executing judgment. All right? Uh, If you want to go, go to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 has all these elements listed in here. Hallelujah. Psalm 96. He's restoring the tabernacle of David. David was a worshiper. David was a king. David worshipped before he was king. David worshipped when he was king. David worshipped after he was king. Amen. David took, he made the greatest investment of his life before he died into the temple of God. If you were to take all the amount of things that David gave, he gave a billion dollars out of his own money in today's terms. Can someone say amen? amen? Why? He set his affection on the house of God. Our affection needs to be set on God's house. All right, Psalm 96. It says, sing unto the Lord a what? New song. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. Everyone should be singing to the Lord. Show forth His salvation from day to day. That means you've got to live for Him. Show forth His salvation. Verse 3. Declare His glory among the heathen. In other words, you go you talk to some people who don't know Jesus. You want to know how good God is? Let me tell you how good God is. God is so good. Let me tell you how good God is. I wish I could talk really fast. Right? Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among the people. Do your conversations around the breakfast table talk about how God, how wonderful God is? When you're hanging out with your friends, are you talking about what's happening in the world or what God is doing in the world? What's your conversations like? If God's not in, in some way in every conversation... You need, a, you need another dip. Alright? Verse 4. For the Lord is what? Great and greatly to be what? So our praise ought to be great. Why? Because He's great. And He didn't have to be made great again. He was already great. Right? He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Another reason why we should worship Him. He made the heavens. Verse 6. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. And you have the keys to get in. If you want to get honor and uh, glory and strength and beauty, you can come right in. You just got to... God's given you the key. What's the key? It's the passcode. J-E-S-U-S. That's the key. That's the passcode. Amen. This is talking about worshiping and praising God. Verse 7. Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Worship and praise is one thing that we can give directly to Him. It's our gift to Him. Amen. And bring an offering unto His courts. Another way that we worship is through giving. Giving offerings, tithes, offerings, alms, and first fruits. That's part of worship. Verse 8 Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. 
How many's ever had an overdue book at the library? You know, and they say they punch the due date into the card there. And but guess what? Glory is due to God. That's His dues. We we need to pay our dues. Amen. By giving Him glory. What's, what does that mean? You magnify Him. Make God bigger than the problem. Make God bigger than the pain. Make God greater than what's going on in your life. That's how you give Him glory. You put Him in His proper place. And you respect, honor, and reverence Him. That's what it means to give God glory. Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship is beautiful. Worship is pure. The beauty of holiness. Worship. When you begin to worship God, the Holy Spirit takes you right into His presence. Into the very throne room of God. Hallelujah. We have access to the throne room. Verse 10, say among the heathen. You know, people in the world ought to know that you're a worshiper. We should not be afraid or ashamed to talk about Jesus. I like what Peter and John said when they were told in Acts 3 or Acts 4, don't preach about the resurrection anymore. They said, whether whether we're going to believe God or man, we're believing God. So I don't care what you say, I'm going to preach about the resurrection. Amen. That's the kind of Christians we need today. We're going to stand up. We got some people in, the, in this house like that. Amen. You're going to stand up, not compromise, not back down. Don't quit. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to press in today. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigns. There's people out in this world that need to know he reigns. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Verse 11, let the heavens rejoice. You know, there's constant rejoicing in heaven. There's no party like a heavenly party. They know how to party in heaven. And let the earth be glad. Are you glad today? How many are glad? Remind your face. Everybody everybody smile real big. Say, I'm glad. Hallelujah. If we're glad, we need to show it. I'm glad. I don't believe you. (laughs) And let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful. Worship affects the atmosphere. You can change an atmosphere through worship. All that is therein. The the trees of the wood rejoice. I'm telling you, wood will rejoice. (laughs) Glory to God. Verse 13, before the Lord... For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He shall judge the world righteously. So we worship because he is worthy. And we have a new song. He gives us a new song to sing. Amen. One that wasn't sung before. Hallelujah. We should give our best in worshiping God. He should be our focus, our attention, our heart. It should be our heart's desire. We should consider it a privilege to worship God. We should be ready to worship Him at any given moment. Especially when you're having a bad day. Why should we worship God? And when we worship, we give of our entire being, our spirit, soul, and body to God. 
I shall love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength or might, right? That's every part of your body, spirit, soul, and body. We, we, worship pleases God. And when He's pleased, He refreshes your soul. Times of refreshing comes from His presence. Right? Why do we worship God? Worship releases fullness of joy. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. Let me say fullness. He said, when my joy is in you, your joy will be full. So if you're missing any part of joy, let Him fill up the gap. Why do we worship God? Worship increases strength. First Chronicles 16, 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. So worship strengthens you. Didn't hurt David, did it? Matter of fact, he got so blessed. Amen? Worship empowers us. Those who wait upon the Lord, what's going to happen? You renew your strength. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means to actively serve Him. To actively serve Him. Waiting on the Lord is not sitting around doing nothing. It's like when you go to a restaurant and people wait on your table, right? What are they doing? They're making sure you have this, making sure you have that. Do you want dessert with that? Right? Could I get you some more coffee? They're actively serving. They're called waiters. Amen? Or waitresses. Right? So when you, wait, when you wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength. You will, you will mount up with wings of eagles. You can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. So worship empowers us. Worship gives us liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you, you know, everywhere there's worship, the Spirit of the Lord... He wants to, he's, he's moving. Anywhere there's, where there's true worshiping the Lord. Amen? He's moving. He's burning. He's flowing. So why do we worship God? Because He refreshes our soul, body, and life. Oh, I'm telling you, burdens of life will fall in the midst of worship. Weights will be released off your shoulders in the midst of worship. Amen? Amen. Worship has a freeing effect because God wants His people free. Worship makes us bold. Acts 4.13 When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they marveled and took note because they had been with Jesus. Worship is spending time with Jesus. Moses spent 40 days with the Lord on the mountain and he came down glowing like a candlestick. So much so that people asked him to put a veil on his face. I guess Moses got a suntan, an S-O-N tan. An S-O-N tan. Right? And when we worship... We can actually worship before His throne. He has given every believer, according to Hebrews 4, an open invitation to come boldly before the throne of God. When you worship, get a picture of a throne in your mind. And really, that's the throne of David that Jesus is sitting on. 
That's the throne that was promised. David, that's the throne that Jesus established. And it's going to be there forever. Amen? I'm not surprised if, when I get to heaven that David's going to be a worship leader. He's going to, I mean, he knows how to worship. Right? So we've got to see the Lord high and sitting up. We've got to get a vision of, of what we're worshiping. We're worshiping the King of kings, the Lord of lords, ruler over all. You know, when you worship him, you, he has your attention and you have his attention. When, when a dog hears a sound, their ears perk up. When God hears worship, his ears perk up. Why? It gets him excited. Do you realize that when Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts 16? Now, think about this. I've, I've said this before, but I've got to say it today. They had been beaten. Okay? They had bruises. They had cuts. They had scrapes. And they're in a dungeon. They're in chains. But their mouth wasn't muzzled. Their mouth wasn't muzzled. Listen, you talk about having a bad day. You weren't beat and put in darkness and in a dungeon, were you? And you're certainly not in shackles. And what did they do? They started worshiping and praising God. Why? God inhabits the praises. When they started worshiping in the prison, they brought God's presence into that prison. And their music was good. And God started to tap his foot. And you know, when God taps his foot, the earth shakes. Right? That was the first jailhouse rock. Elvis didn't write it. Paul and Silas wrote it because it was praise to God. And when you praise God, he'll rock your jailhouse. He'll remove those shackles. Those shackles will fall off of your life and your heart. Whatever has been holding you back and binding you, it'll fall in the midst of worship. I'm almost done. Don't say amen. No, just kidding. (laughs) It's okay if you say amen. That's all right. See, what I want is I want to create an atmosphere where our spiritual taste buds are made alive and we crave to taste the Lord. If anything happens today, I want your craving to be increased. I want you to say, I've got to have that. I've got to be there. I've got to get involved. I've got to do my part. Amen. See, powerful worship of God is awesome. Why? Because we're worshiping an awesome God. Amen? Amen? And when we worship, He will manifest. His presence will come in the midst. I want to encounter God's awe-inspiring presence. See, true worship leads to personal enrichment. And worship is not cheap entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to teach and preach the Word of God. Sometimes it's like pudding and other times it's like broccoli. But I'm going to give you both. I'm going to give you your milk, your meat, sweet, refreshing. Amen? Now, I've said a lot of things about worship. 
And there's not really, there's, I could say a whole lot more things, but you know what? It's not about what's being said, it's about what we do from this point on. So we have to engage in worship right now. In the name of Jesus. And, um, yeah, if the team wants to come up, what are we doing? We're restoring the tabernacle of David. This is not a time to sit in the sidelines, but this is a time to be fully engaged in God. Number one, the first key to worshiping God is you've got to know Him. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to make Him that today. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Doug, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I would like to. I would love the opportunity to introduce Him to you. Is there anyone here that says, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Because that's step number one. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then this is not uncommon to you. Amen? And we're going to engage God today. Are you with me? Are you ready to engage God today? Your soul, your spirit, your body. We're going to lift up His name. We're going to declare His greatness, His goodness, His nature. Hallelujah. If you want to stand, if you want to stand, whatever you feel like doing in your heart to do. Stand together, listen. We're going to offer Him praise today. If you feel a little bit awkward and uncomfortable, it's all right. You're going to warm up to this. Yes. So you can stand together. We have some flags over here. If you want to have something in your hands, so you feel a little less awkward, it's all right. Whatever it is, we got to do something that we've never done in worship. Come on, we've got to engage. This is the holy God. This is the almighty God. This is the creator of the universe that we are engaging with right now. So let's sing together.
something for you. Whatever it is, I would like to pray for you. And if you're, if you're, if you're comfortable, just come on up here. I'm just going to speak the word over you. And the Holy Ghost and His power yeah. is going to touch you. If you need a touch from God, if you need a touch in your body, if you need God to do something in your life, I want you to come up right now.
what's happening in our world today is be engaged with God and walk with Him each and every day. I, I feel like there are some that need to renew their commitment to God, so we're going to do it as a group. We're going to renew our commitments. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm here today. I'm in your presence. I'm praising your name. I'm worshiping you. And I renew my commitments to live for you, to follow you, to walk with you, to do your will. Let's go! 
Jesus to you. 